So I pray you had a wonderful uh, Christmas. And uh, what a wonderful time we had Christmas Eve here. Uh, I think it was one of the largest turnouts we've had on a Christmas Eve. And so it was just, uh, just a joy to be uh, singing to the Lord and celebrating in, in um, God's house together with the family of God. And so it was a, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. And then, and then I hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. Uh, what a great time to gather together and uh, with family and friends and just to be able to share um, the true meaning of Christmas with one another and then all of the traditions and the fun elements that go along with um, Christmas time. I know for us, uh, one of the things that is super exciting for us as we get together, obviously my family gets together on Christmas Eve and then we connect with my wife's family on Christmas Day. And one of the, one of the, uh, my nephews that, I, mean, I always look forward to seeing all of my uh, wife's family, but, but one in particular is James. And uh, this is James up here, is, is James? Yeah, this is James. <laughs> And James is 24 years old, and James just lives and loves Christmas, loves getting together. James is the kind of guy that he, when he meets you, he remembers your birthday, like the actual day. He'd be like, hey, number 22, you're March 22nd. And it, it's like one of those amazing gifts that he, he, uh, he has. And so it's one of those things we always look forward to, counting down the days to Christmas and um, like many of you uh, who were gathering together with family, some of your family wasn't able to come or maybe you weren't able to go because of some kind of COVID connection that kept you from enjoying everybody. And last minute, we found out last night that James was tested positive for COVID and, and his symptoms are, are, are good, but, but it meant that he was unable to get together with the rest of the family. And he's like, he's like our rock star. We come together. He's just he's got an incredible sense of humor and, and he tunes in once in a while and listens and watches what's going on. I just wanted to give him a, a shout out. And I thought it'd be really cool if we gave one big, happy, Merry Christmas to James this morning because I know it'll mean the world to him. So one, three, one, three, one two, three. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas James. We love you and uh, we are so thankful for your life. Yeah, so it, uh, that, that I know will be such a blessing to him and uh, he is so, so special to us. So yeah, Christmas is over already. How crazy is that? At least a celebration of Christmas. And, and tomorrow morning, it's gonna be interesting because as you drive down the streets, um, if, if you, how many have garbage pickup on Monday? Right? And there's gonna be those huge big black bags, right? That are just loaded with all of the wrappings, right? One of the things that Christmas is not, does not lack is wrapping, right? And it's like, it's amazing, like, you, you know, how, how much and just what you can fit into those glorious black bags that hide all of the things that maybe they're not supposed to put out on certain days of the week. Not that I would encourage or do that, but it is amazing. You could put people in those bags and people wouldn't even notice and Maybe we shouldn't put this out online, but. Um. <laughs> and it's funny, like, when you think about the wrapping, I mean, like, everybody wraps things differently. Isn't it funny? Like, I mean, some people just really go to town. It would, it would actually be a really great psychology experiment to kind of just see how people wrap their gifts. It's just, it, it, you could just look, sometimes pers a person's personality is seen in the way in which they wrap a gift. You've got the creative wrappers, you know, and, and like they just, I mean, every, it's not just about the paper, right? It's like, it's just about the ribbons and the bows and the frillies and just kind of like, look at this thing and think, man, this ought to be on display somewhere. This is an incredible, incredible thing. And then you've got the OCD wrapper, 
right? Everything is like tight and right and everything is exactly like the, the edges are exactly the right size and, and you can just tell like the tape is exactly the same size in each corner and you've got the OCD wrapper and then you've got, you've got the passive aggressive wrapper. The passive aggressive wrapper doesn't really want to give you a gift but he's kind of stuck having to do that and he can't say it of course and so he wraps it like he really didn't want to give it to you. <laughs> so it's kind of a, uh, a passive aggressive uh, wrapping. I'm not picky about my, my wrapping. I've, I've been known to use um, electric tape. I've been known to use duct tape. Uh, anything that will get that paper to stick. I've, I'm gonna go on record and say, I've even used aluminum foil. <laughs> aluminum foil sometimes can be your best friend and just kind of wrap that however you, you kind of want it to go. And I personally, I, you know what I really love? I love the, the gift bag. How sweet is that? Like, what a God, God's gift. It really is like, you just, you could, you could look like a rock star. You just put that gift in the bag, put a bow on it, and you look like you spent so much time preparing this wonderful presentation, especially if it's a pretty picture on the front. So I love the, I love the, the gift bag. I don't normally go crazy over the gift wrapping, unlike my wife. My wife is all about the presentation. Uh, she, her fingerprints are all up here, and, uh, and she is just all about, do you know, it's amazing, she will spend money on paper, and bows, and lace, and free, like, like we're just gonna rip it off and throw it in the garbage, like why are you gonna spend money? But, but it, when you get it, it's like, it's just an incredible, incredible gift. It's just really, um, it, but it could be, it could be the setup for the ultimate letdown. Right, because if the, I mean, when you get a gift that's wrapped so beautifully, you're thinking, "Wow, the, what's on the inside is probably even better than what's on the outside." And so it could be the ultimate setup for the ultimate letdown because if the outside looks better than what's on the inside, how many have gotten those kinds of gifts in the past? Right, you're like, "Whoa, this is for me. This is incredible." You open it up, it's like, "Oh, that's great!" Like nutcrackers. That's I really needed that. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, Sometimes the, the rap could become a trap if the gifts don't deliver the way the rap suggests they might. Um, you know, the same can be said about Christmas sometimes. Not, not that the gift certainly ever would never match the wrapping, um, but sometimes the gift doesn't get experienced. Sometimes we get so caught up in the wrappings of Christmas that we can forget about the gift of Christmas, the purpose, the reason for the season, the true, that Christ came. Emmanuel, God with us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is giving. And sometimes, and we don't necessarily want to do it, but sometimes we can get so caught up in all of the wrappings that we can miss the gift. The wrappings can be the trappings that rob you from experiencing that, that wonderful sacred time of the year if we're not careful. We can get so caught up in the festivities that we miss the honored guest, right? And I think if we got real honest on some level, we, we tend to all do that in one way or another and we usually end the season by saying, well, next year is gonna be a little different. I love the gift giving and I love the 
the traditional meals and I love all the gathering together and the singing and the decorating and all the connecting with family and friends at often times, especially this year. It's like, you know, and, and again, I know some folks were not able to connect because of COVID, but, but for, for most people, it's been two years since you've been able to connect for Christmas and it was just a little extra special this year being able to um, be together. But we gotta be careful that, that we, we don't allow the wrapping of Christmas to cause us to forget the one who came and gave, um, gave he's the one that gave us the people that we celebrate with, right? He's the one that gave us the, the ability to, to give the gifts and he's the, he's the reason, he's the true reason for the season. And so I think sometimes we just need to be careful to not let the wrapping, um, and the wrapping is important, right? The wrapping, see the wrapping needs to serve as a tool that points me to the gift, right? And so that's a good thing. But and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I really do. I hope it was everything you needed for it to be. I hope you got a chance to gather and probably woke up this morning saying, I can't eat like this again for a couple more days, right? So what do you do now that all the gifts are open and the wrapping paper is in abundance. I want to talk to you a little bit about what do we do with the wrapping? What do we do with the wrapping? Hopefully it served its purpose. Hopefully, hopefully you, see here's the key, you throw the, the wrapping away and you keep the gift. Some people keep the gift. Is my wife here this morning? <laughs> Some people return the gift. <laughs> But no, you throw away the wrapping, right? It served its purpose and you, you kind of keep the gift. There's other kinds of wrappings that I want to consider this morning and I'm not going to be long uh, today, but I just want to kind of take a moment of pause as we literally wrap up Christmas season and, and begin to now look a little further down the road uh, as, we, uh, as, as 2022 is knocking on the door. There's other kinds of wrappings and you know, there's wrappings at church at times. There's wrappings at the church that could look really nice and, and pretty. There's something nice about being a part of the church. There's a, something special about being a part of the family of God and being a part of, uh, of, of, of a church that is involved in, in the community and involved in connecting with one another and serving one another and loving on one another. There's just something very special about that. And, and I think that we, we need to be careful, though, not to get so caught up in the, the wrappings of the church that we forget the reason why we gather, that we forget the reason and the person who's brought us together, Christ being the head of the church. You know, we can get so caught up sometimes in, in looking religious, in doing, in sounding religious. You ever catch yourself talking differently at church than you do outside the church? Don't raise your hand. You ever catch someone, let's make it real fun, you ever catch somebody else talking different at church than they do outside. Maybe that's you. Maybe, I don't know. But, but you know what? We need to be really careful. I think sometimes that, that people get very disillusioned with Christianity because they get so focused on the wrapping that they fail to remember that Jesus didn't come to give us wrapping, but he came to give us the person of himself. 
And Jesus didn't come to kind of set up a religion, but Jesus paved the way for you and I to have a relationship with him, right? That which was lost in the garden is restored at the cross. And, and the coming of the Savior on that first Christmas morning is the fulfillment of a promise that God would restore man back to God. And too many times people miss that relationship with God because they get so focused on religion. They get so focused on doing. They get so focused on saying the right things and looking the right way and being the right kind of person and all these other things. And that's not to minimize the fact that we need to kind of rightly represent the Christ that we, that we represent to the world around us. But, but we need to be really careful that we don't replace the, represent, the representing of, of Christ to the world to allow that representation to be our identity to be the the all in all we need to make sure that that what's going on on the outside the wrapping the frills the pity the pretty paper and the bows and all the stuff that that looks so nice usually to the world around us we need to make sure that that is an overflow of what's going on on the inside because if we're not, if we don't, if we're not fostering that relationship with Jesus, if we're not growing in our walk, if we're not ensuring that what's taking place on the inside is more important to us than what's going on on the outside, listen, it's just a matter of time before you crash and burn. It's just a matter of time before you get disillusioned. It's just a matter of time before somebody rubs you the wrong way, doesn't appreciate you, looks at you the wrong way, or whatever, and you just think, you know what? Hey, I've been putting out some really good rapping for a really long time, and this person just doesn't appreciate it. I'm out of here. So we need to make sure that, 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 that what's going on, on the inside is running parallel to what's going on on the outside. I mean, that was the problem with the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Right? Jesus is, is, you know, it's funny, Jesus' harshest words was reserved, reserved for the Pharisees, the religious people of his day. It wasn't, for the, it wasn't for the woman caught in the act of adultery. He's like, no, go, you know, where are your condemners when, they, when they, they threw her at the feet of Jesus? And he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Calls her a woman. Right? Shows dignity. Jesus shows acceptance to tax collectors and sinners and it drove the religious community crazy because they'd see Jesus extending himself to people that the religious world spent a lot of time trying to alienate themselves from. And now Jesus comes and takes the broken because Jesus knew that the reason, there's a reason why they're there. There's a reason why they go down that road. There's a reason why they act that way. There's a reason why they, they, they lash out and they, and they become dependent on different things. And there's a reason why in Jesus goes after the broken. Isn't that beautiful? But see, the, the ones that Jesus did go after were the religious leaders. The ones who loved to point a finger at the ones who they didn't deem to be as spiritual as themselves. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees in, in, in Matthew chapter 23. I love this. It's, it's, again, it's just like vintage Jesus. It's uh, Matthew 23, verse 2. Jesus says, the scribes and the Pharisees, speaking of them, Jesus says, they sit on Moses' seat. In other words, they sit in a position of authority in the church, right? And so do and observe whatever they tell you. He's like, listen, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers, the leaders, listen, those who are sitting on Moses' seat, in other words, those who are teaching the word, listen to what they teach you. 
but don't follow the works that they do. Listen to that which is true. If they're, if they're articulating the truth passed down through the law of Moses, listen to it, but don't follow their ways. Don't be like them. For they, for they preach, but they do not practice. Hello? Their, their religiosity only goes as far as their lips. Their lives were not touched by it at all. He says, listen to them, but don't do the works that they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. Have you been on the receiving end of that? Somebody said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to read this much, pray that much, believe this much, trust that much, go here, go do this. And what they do is they put yokes, burdens on people. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves, they're not willing to do, they're not willing to move them with their own finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. There's the gift wrapping, right? They, they're so focused on the outside appear. They look so spiritual on the outside. They got the robes flowing and the fringes and the phylacteries and all the, the things that people are looking, whoa, that person must be holy. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts. They're the first one to go to the head of the table so that everybody can see who's in charge. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces being called rabbi by others. They love to be recognized and identified as the, the holy one. Jesus has some harsh words for this group of people. Now, maybe you've had a whole bunch of names come to your mind, um, right, as I was kind of going through that, maybe, but I guess we should probably look inward because I think we all own some of that. We all got this desire to kind of put it on right and look spiritual. Look what Jesus says to them in verse 25. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and, and you've cleaned the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're so concerned about the outside of the cup being so nice, but inside it's disgusting. Speaking of their hearts. He says, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs which outwardly bear, appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. <laughs> You're like, Merry Christmas, Pastor. Like, what got under your skin today? <laughs> I came to church for this. I know this is an extreme example. I know that this, obviously, this is a little bit more than we're looking to kind of own this morning, but I gotta be honest with you. I, I'm not worried about owning all of that, but I think there's some of that in all of our hearts. And I just, I just wanna make sure that, that, that what's going on on the, on the inside of my heart is reflecting what I'm putting on the outside. I wanna be careful as, a, as like the wrappings and the trimmings of my Christianity. I, I wanna be less concerned about what they think 
and more concerned about what he thinks. And again, I'm not going to own all these things. I'm not, I mean, I'm not that bad, right? I don't think I'm full of dead man's bones on the inside. I'm like, you know, but I've had some moments that I've embarrassed myself about the way I thought of things. I'm sorry if that rocks your image of me, but you're probably no different than I am. And so I just think as Christians, we need to be careful to, to make sure that, that we're not so caught up in the trimmings because we can get so caught up with the great people that we come to church with, and we do. I mean, if I wasn't a pastor of this church, I'd still come here. (laughs) I really would. I really would probably be a better preacher, but but I'd still come here. I mean, I'm thankful for the the people that make integrity what it is, and that's the truth. And so we can get like so caught up though in the great people and the lively, the music. I mean, we've got worship second to none. I mean, honestly, it's like unbelievably incredible. I mean, we've got bagels and coffee, right? We get like potluck dinners and connecting times and, and we, like, we just have all these, these wonderful things. We need to be careful though that, that we don't forget the reason for which we gather, right? I'm not saying we don't do those things, but let's remember that, man, we're the church of Jesus Christ, we come together so we can be equipped. We come together so we can build one another uh, other up. We come together so we can encourage one another. We come together so we can charge our batteries so that we can go out into the world and be a reflection of Jesus to the world around us. Right? This is, this is the place where we come home to get charged up so we can go out. You see, we're not supposed to live here. We're not supposed to be here all the time. We come here so that we might go out. But we need to be careful. Like the different ways in which my wife and I wrap our gifts. Churches have different wrappings as well, don't they? Different styles, different values, different ways of doing things. Not, and different isn't wrong, it's just different. That's a good thing. It's what makes the body of Christ so wonderfully healthy. I thank God that there's churches out there that are different than integrity because they're gonna hit a group of people that will not feel comfortable here at Integrity, but they're gonna, as long as they're hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, then, then that's a beautiful thing that I celebrate the diversity that's within the body of Christ. The only, it only becomes wrong when the, when the wrapping becomes more important than the gift, right? When people walk out going, wow, about everything and everyone except Jesus, well, then maybe we've, we've we're missing our opportunity to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus and we need to make sure that we're staying focused. But, but I thank God that there's different wrappings, but we need to be careful to not get so caught up in the differing wrappings because what ends up happening is we can get so caught up in the wrappings of the church that we can fail to passionately follow Jesus. You see, these are the resources that God places in our hands. These are one another, the body of Christ, the church, the, 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 the teachings, the, the small groups. All these. these are all things that have one goal in mind, to make you more like Jesus. To, to stir up the love of God for Jesus in your heart. And in the moment that, that it becomes anything other than just that, then you're missing the purpose for why we gather. That's why we say our, our mission statement here is to, pa- to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. Because if a person is passionately following Jesus, then every other metric of discipleship will be fulfilled. 
And you know what, we learned, we learned this from, from the church at Ephesus. Remember Jesus is talking to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter two? He looks at this church that for all intents and purposes, the wrapping looked beautiful. The wrapping was stunning, right? It had bows and, and, and wonderful paper and, and they were the talk of the town because this church was getting it done. And to this church, Jesus says to them, listen, I, Revelation chapter two and verse two, I know your works. I know your toil and your, your patient endurance. I know how you can't bear those who are evil and you've tested those who call themselves apostles and they're not and you found them to be false. In other words, you know the truth. You can decipher between truth and error. You've got that down really well. I know you're patiently enduring and, and you're bearing up my name for my name's sake and you've not grown weary. Man, you've got endurance, right? You're faithful. You're moving forward. He said, but I have this against you. Only one problem in the midst of all you're doing you've abandoned me, your first love. You got so caught up in the wrappings that you forgot the gift. And I'll tell you what, there's not a person in this room, my first being, my, myself being the first, that isn't always having to push against that reality in my life. To make sure that, uh, it's not like Jesus is saying you can't have other loves. He can only have one first love though. And I need to make sure that in the midst of my doing, in the midst of my serving, in the midst of my ministry, in the midst of my family, in the midst of everything else I'm doing, I need to make sure that I'm not missing in my love, in my growing love for Jesus, that he remains my first love. They got so caught up in the wrappings, the outward appearances. They were doing all the good things, but they forgot the best thing. It's just a family chat this morning. Because as we're going into the new year, I, I don't want business as usual. I, I don't, I don't want to just be like, you know, come in, get your message, sing a song, grab a bagel, and out the door. I, that's not what I want. I, I, I want to encounter Christ this year. I want the Spirit of God to be moving in us and through us. I want to see people walking in the door and just sensing something is different about this place. Not the people, but the presence of God in this place. And I, I think the way that we do that is not any more profound than just passionately follow, following Jesus, than making Jesus number one. That, not, that, that, that we don't put any, anything more important than passionately following Jesus. That's our goal this year. And like many of you, I know that if it's not, if I'm not intentional about it, it's easy to drift. Perhaps that's why, perhaps that's why Christ calls us to come together regularly to the table. This Christmas, we've focused a lot of attention on the, the one who has come, and rightly so. The babe born of a virgin, placed in a manger inside the stable because there was no room for him at the end. Well, as, we, as we come to an end, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna kinda move this morning from the stable to the table because the reality of it is this one who came 
didn't stay a babe in the manger, but he grew in wisdom and stature and began to teach and point men to God and bind up the brokenhearted and set captives free and raise the dead, just like the scriptures said that Messiah would. And so about 33 years after Jesus was in the stable, he's at the table now with his disciples and his Passover. I'm sure they had a little bit easier than we do sometimes with these little, let's kind of get this over with really quick here. It's like this awkward, right? It's like, like it's commercial. We'll be back in three minutes and we're going to pull the cellophane off. It's got to be an easier way. And then what's really bad, like talk about the wrapping. Um, but this isn't so much a trap because the inside is far worse tasting than the outside. Josh, I need a little hand here, bud. Somebody glue mine together. It's just not right. Thank you, son. All the work, all that work to get to this nasty tasting wafer. It's really, let's just be honest, it's really, you know, it really, it does kind of keep it as an act of worship because it's really, you would never eat or drink this kind of stuff, right? Unless it was a, we able to convert it to a holy moment that we can remember. Right? And that's kind of like what we do because it's disgusting. But Jesus, he moves from the stable to the table. And he's with his disciples. And they're celebrating the Passover again. They've done this before. Some of them did it as, as, as little boys. But this night was gonna be different, right? The fulfillment of the Passover was in their midst. There was so much symbolism around that, that event. On the table was the the salty water. You see, the Passover was initiated by God in the book of Exodus after God delivered the people under, the, under the, um, the, the, the slavery of the Egyptians after all of the plagues that took place. God establishes the Passover and tells the people of God to come together every year to remember God's faithfulness, to remember God's goodness. Sometimes we forget the things we should remember and we remember the things we should forget. Right? And so what God institutes right from the beginning and in the wisdom of God, you gotta, you, gotta just, you gotta love how God knew the best way for us to remember something is to tie it to a meal. Right? And so they'd come together at the Passover and it would be, that Passover was designed to be a moment of pause to remember, to look back at God's faithfulness to his people. And on this table, there was all kinds of, of symbolism. There was the, the salty water that was there and, 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 and the, the salty water represented the tears that the people had, had flowed down their faces as they were under the, the tyranny of Egypt. And then they had the bitter herbs that they would dip into that salt water, but the bitter herbs remem- reminded them of the bitterness in those bitter years. They'd have the, the shank bone of the lamb. Remain the ultimate reminder of, of when that lamb was 
slain and God had them shed the blood of the lamb and, and smear it on the door posts of their home and the death angel would come to the land of Egypt when the death angel would see the blood on the door the angel would pass over that home and the people would live and it was at that moment that they, you know, the Pharaoh kind of said alright we, we give up you, you guys go and worship but for centuries, for the, the people gathered and they'd have this Passover together. And this is what the disciples grew up with. This is what they did with Jesus in the beginning of Jesus's ministry when they were walking with him. But now here they are three years into walking with Jesus and they, they gathered together for a different, for Passover meal, but different than ever before. Because now Jesus, in the midst of all the symbolism, in the midst of all of the looking back, in the midst of all of the, the remembering of God's faithfulness and goodness and care for his people, Jesus reaches out and he grabs a piece of bread and he breaks it. And they're kind of like, wait a minute, this, this is different. The script is changing before our very eyes because the Passover lamb was sitting in their midst. And he breaks the bread. And he says, this is my body. It's broken for you. All of that which the Old Testament pointed to was sitting in their midst. It was a holy moment. He was not the wrapping, he was the gift. There was a lot of wrapping at the table, a lot of things that pointed to the gift. But the gift was in their midst. And Jesus will encourage us through the word and, and, and Paul will encourage us through, in Corinthians that we are to, to do this in remembrance. We're to come to the table. Why? Because sometimes we can forget that the greatest act of love was made manifest in, the, in, in Christ giving his body and shedding his blood for you and for me because there was no other way there's no other way for us to come into the presence of God. There's no other way for us to be forgiven of our sins. We can't produce the, the kind of righteousness that God requires in and of ourselves and so because we're sinful. And so God applies the righteousness of Christ to our lives through the sacrifice of Christ. And as we put our trust in that gift of God, bestowing that righteousness upon us, as we look and say, God, I recognize there's nothing I can do to earn good standing with you. I put all of my confidence, all of my trust into that work of Christ. Forgive me on behalf of what Christ has done. And you see, when that happens, we're changed we're born again. That righteousness that we had, which was insufficient, is exchanged for the perfect sinless righteousness of Christ into our lives. So powerful of a moment that God, knowing his people, knowing we probably would forget, knowing we get so caught up with the trappings and the trimmings and the wrappings of Christianity, that we might forget to come back to the table and just remember. Remember that in the midst of all the different theology that people disagree and agree over and divide over, in the midst of all of the preferences, in the midst of all of the different styles, in the midst of all of the different things, we gather around the most essential truth. The man is a sinner. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life.
Christ the fulfillment. And so he reaches for the bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. No longer look to the emblems. Look to me. I'm the fulfillment. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together remembering that Christ is our gift. I'm sure the disciples couldn't fully grasp what was all that was going on at that moment. It probably wouldn't be until after the ascension that they came to understand all that was going on. But it didn't stop at the bread. It didn't stop at the body. The body. You see, Christ had to be the sacrifice in which he bore our sins and, 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 and he, in his body, the bread reflects that, but it was ne- it's still, there was still more payment that needed to be made. Without the forgiveness, without the shedding of blood, the scripture says there is no forgiveness of sins. And so they had to be, for, for centuries they had slaughtered lamb after lamb after lamb and they would shed the blood of the lamb and as they shed the blood of the lamb they would confess their sins to God and God would forgive their sins. Not because there was anything significant about the shedding of the blood of that lamb but it was a type, it was a picture of their coming a day. John the Baptist would be the first one to recognize him as he looks and he sees Jesus coming, he's his cousin, he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you see, Jesus was sinless. He never committed a sin. He was perfect. He was without sin, unlike anybody else. And he was the only one qualified to present his blood as payment for our sins. My blood and your blood is, if we shed our blood, we'd only be getting what we deserve. We couldn't pay for our own sins because our, our blood is not spotless, it was not sinless, but Christ came and lived a sinless life so that his blood was able. And so Jesus then reaches for the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He says, drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together, remembering that Christ shed his blood for us. Jesus, we thank you that for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. You gave of your body. You shed your blood. You became our sacrifice so that we might become the righteousness of God. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We recognize that without you, we're nothing. We pray, Lord, that our lives would reflect this gift that we've received in Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.